Hello. Hey, how are you doing? Hey there, Dan. Dan, Dan, Benjamin. Yeah, we're all frozen in here today. Is it another blizzard? Well, it's not like it was last time uh, because it's not as cold and it won't stay as cold. And But we do have snow stuck to the ground, which is still after this is like my 11th year in Austin. And I think this is the only the second time that the snow has stuck when it's fallen and it's um, like the weather right now. I grew up in Philly like this wouldn't even delay school. This is nothing. <laughs> but here in Austin, it's like everybody freak out. There's like panic buying and, you know, all of that. And now everything is shut down. I love so, panic buying. That's really such a cool modern feature. You know, it really is. And like yeah. I had to I just go. I do my regular stuff. I have a schedule. I do it on schedule. And so like earlier in the week, I had my regular Costco run. It was just a scheduled thing. I think it was Tuesday. I did that once a month. It's like certain day of the week. You know, my son likes to go with me. And so we went to Costco and it's like packed. Normally it's deserted. It's packed. It's packed because people are and everybody's cart is completely full of bottles of water. Bottles of water. Yeah, right. because last year at this last time, year. no one had the water, you know? So, right, I remember. This time I'm going to be prepared. I'm going to buy 10 dozen bottled bottles of water. It's like, okay, you know, just buy one of those empty five-gallon, uh, you know, the things they put on the water cooler, water cooler jugs. Yep, water cooler you, jugs. You can, get those, you can get those super cheap anywhere. Just get two of those and fill it up. Done. Why I'm are they getting the- individual bottles of water? water for what i was at the at the at the supermarket last night the hippie one uh i was in the i wasn't actually at it <laughs> is that whole foods lot. or is it trader no, joe's it's, no it's neither it's called um it's called uh puget sound cooperative pcc we call it P- P- puget sound P- puget cooperative cultivator co-op i don't know i have no idea what it stands for but pcc and it's basically a whole foods I wasn't there at the store. I was just loitering in the parking lot outside of the frozen yogurt place. Right. And a guy in a BMW station wagon drives up, and he's a young guy, a beardo, (laughs) you know, clearly like (laughs) a techie somebody. And he he pulls up, and he goes and gets a shopping cart. And I'm watching him, and I'm like, you've just arrived, but you're getting a shopping cart and going back to your car. What's happening now? And he proceeds to load up the shopping cart with empty water containers. And I'm like, what is happening? And then he takes a full shopping cart of empty water containers into the PCC. And I realize that there's got to be some sort of purified water dispenser in there. Ah, yeah, right. And he's bringing his water bottles to fill them up. You know, we live in Washington where... The water, when you turn on the tap, the water that comes out of the tap was mountain snow like four hours ago. You know, like the the water here is just fine. It's great. It doesn't, it's, it hasn't gone through a thousand aqueducts. (laughs) It's not, hasn't been treated with a, how do you know for sure? How do you know that? Because I've, because I've, <laughs> I've, you know me, Dan, I've, I've You've actually, investigated the, uh, the infrastructure. I, I've actually studied how the water goes. I, you know, you can drive up in the mountains and see the, see where it, it sits in its big lake. 
and then you can trace where it goes. They're actually, because, you know, my old house, the farm, had a water main, like a giant uh, water pipe that went right over the hill next to me. And you could go in the night and kind of stand on top of it and hear these enormous amounts of water going under your feet. Yeah. But some of the original pipes that brought the water from the mountains were actually made out of cedar logs. <laughs> so the, they, ho- it, they hollowed them out. Really? Yeah. And they had, That's they had so weird. Logs. It's almost like, like you're, um, you know, they put like a, like a whiskey or whatever into like a, like a cask. It's uh-huh. like a natural cask yeah. for the water. Yeah. yeah. And I think, it, I think there were still, there are still wood pipes. I swear to you, there are still wood pipes in service here. I don't know that for sure, but I'm, but I remember, I remember being, you know, like a bunch of guys digging a hole in the ground with hard hats on. And of course I stop and, and look down in it and go, what's going on? What are you What's going on? I'm a dad, 28 years old. I'm already a dad. <laughs> and, and there, and there was wood pipe under there and they were like, look, you know, this has been here since ought four. Anyway, the idea that this guy with his white BMW, uh, station wagon at, Nine o'clock at night was this was the errand he was on. It just it felt I felt the cold hand of a of his wife, frankly, mm, mm, saying mm. we're out we're out of uh, PCC distilled water, and it's this is your job. Like go go to the store and get us. I'm just like just turn on the tap, man. And if it's and if the water doesn't taste great, just buy a little filter, buy a little tap filter. But we're not talking about up here where everything is basically paradise except for the one month a year that that the sun comes out and then everything catches on fire. Right. We're talking about you. Yeah. Down in a place that should be basically <clears throat> like central Spain. Mm-hmm. There's no weather of any kind in central Spain. It's just the it, it, it neither rains nor snows. Right. The wind barely blows. <laughs> and now I'm beginning to think that there's something to this climate change, Dan. You're starting to get on board with it. Well, here's here's the thing. I don't think that it's possible. And just hear me out. Go ahead. I don't think that it's possible for anyone to not acknowledge that the climate is different now than mm-hmm. it was before. Let's, mm-hmm. <laughs> let's start with that. That's pretty simple. We can all pretty much agree on that. I think it's, I think there's, nobody's denying that. And I, I, there are people who will say, well, the climate is cyclical and sure, you can, cyclical. you can go from a time where there's, warm. you know, it's warmer to a time where it's colder to a time where there's more hurricanes or less hurricanes. And I think, I think most scientists would agree with that also. Yep. Yep. It cycles. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're all on the same page. Sure. I think that all seems a bit. I think it's what the cause of that is that gets oh, people cause. very, very upset because there's some people who would say, remember how we all agreed that the climate's cyclical? Well, it's cyclical and we're just mm-hmm. on a part of it. And mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know what? Yeah, it might be it might be that it's more extreme right now than it has been in recorded history, but that doesn't mean it's unprecedented. It doesn't mean that mm-hmm. it's unusual. And then there's other people who would say, actually, it does because mm-hmm. we have... Even in our ancient historical studies, archaeological digs, we don't see these kinds of changes in this extreme. And other scientists will say, it, well, that sounds right, but that doesn't mean anything. 
Sure. And then there, Krakatoa. Yes. And then there's lots of people. A clockwork universe. Right. And there's lots of people who would then say, well, it's so obvious that human beings are the cause of this and that we need to do something about it. It's the beings. But regardless of what you think is the cause, I think we can all agree here that Mm. it's, it's, this is not what it was used to be like. Mm. It's not an uncaused cause. Right. You're saying. Yes. I mean, just as someone who grew up in a place that had extreme weather. Yeah. The weather up there in Alaska, (laughs) although still extreme. Yeah. Is nothing like it was when I was a kid. No. You know, I think you could live somewhere like Los Angeles where the temperature is always 74 degrees uh, and maybe think like, oh, there have been more fires lately and less water. More fires, less water. Less water is a big problem. But really, it's always been 74 degrees here and it still is now. But in in Anchorage in 1978, it was so different than it has been in the last 20 years. And maybe, hey, cyclical, let's call it that. But wow, what a cycle. Mm-hmm. What a cycle. Hitting, we are hitting for the cycle. <laughs> what a cycle indeed. Because it's not like it was. And things are crazy up there. And, and also down where you are, mm-hmm. I just, I, I marvel. I, I, when I was a kid, if there was frost on the peaches... <laughs> As we used to call it. Frost on the peaches. Frost on the Georgia peaches. It was a it was a cover story in Time magazine. Oh, the temperature got down below something right. something down in Florida with all the oranges got frost on them. And now it just seems like, wow, you guys get ex- all you get all the exciting weather down there. I don't well, like the-, the exciting weather. No, I, I don't you want don't. the exciting weather. No, you moved. I to didn't Texas move here to... for exciting weather. I moved here exactly. for it to do what it's supposed to do all the time, and yeah, no one checked with me. Degrees. <clears throat> now I have a very, I have a very John Roderick story to share with you. Oh, I'm and excited. Anyone else who wants to listen. Okay. So, um, because I feel like this is the kind of thing that happens to you all the time, and rarely happens to me. So. Uh, yeah, you know, we have this big, let me just set the scene. So for okay. people who don't understand, follow, or, or up until now care, last year at about this same exact time, we had what Texas refers to as the snowpocalypse. Yeah, snowpocalypse. We covered it in too much detail a uh, year or so ago when it was going on, but I will, I will go over it very, very succinctly right now. And th- what happened was, we got a series of very, very uh, cold days here in Texas. Unusually cold for Texas. Other places, no big deal. Texas, not prepared for this kind of thing. So it got below freezing, and it stayed below freezing for many days, during which it also, there was uh, freezing rain and snow and mm. other things. So what happened was we actually got quite a bit of snow, and that snow stuck and oh. stayed, and the ro- the roads froze, and the tree limbs got heavy and the trees and the limbs fell onto power lines. But worse than that was what happened to the generators here in Texas. And because, you know, Texas is we're although technically we haven't succeeded from the union, we kind of have, we have everything separate here. I'm not necessarily in favor of that, but you know, like we have our own power grid. It's not connected sure. to anyone else. We can't give we hope you succeed from the union. Yeah, I know we can't share our power with anyone else. 
and we can't pull power from anyone else because right. screw you we're taxes come and take right. it super smart plan so um when our power grid works apparently it's like that's a great thing but when it doesn't so what happened and i don't know all the details of this and i don't care but basically what happened is there was some kind of they, they had failed to winterize effectively winterize all of the big generators that provide power to all of texas and the texas power grid and as a result of that when things started to go bad they started to go bad in a way that there was this cascading failure that was affecting the generators they were freezing they weren't able to bring them back online and then they had to do and, and and combine that with the fact that everyone was told to drip their water for many many days at a time combined with the sub freezing temperatures that led pipes to burst so there was no water pressure and it couldn't be restored and blah 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 but basically the end result was a lot of people had no power or water for like weeks and i was one of them and it really sucked and supposedly they have winterized the generators so that they'd be okay now but we have a very different scenario this year than we did last year in that it's not as cold as it was and it's not staying that cold for very long at all and we also don't although we had a little bit of what they call the wintery mix a little bit of the hail and sleet sleet and snow and whatever it's much 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 less than it was before to the fact that i even just got a notification before we started the show that UPS usps is delivering a package to me today so it <laughs> I, apparently people are still doing stuff and it's okay it's not going to be like last year but people are so freaked out about it right now that any indication that what happened last year might happen again is freaking people out. So this takes us to yesterday. Yesterday morning, I, uh, I, I well, I got an email saying that there's um, the homeowners association is going to be sending out a new landscaping crew. They're replacing the old ones, and the new ones are going to be great. The new ones are going to be amazing. And I, I usually wouldn't call someone out, but I'm going to do it because the name of the company is worth mentioning. It's Urban Dirt is the name of the company that's coming out to do landscaping. Okay. So they're like, you might see some trucks and some new faces around, but it's okay. They're, they're ours. They're here to do the work. Like, okay. So I'm sitting there. I just happen to be looking out the front window, which is not usually I look out the back window. Who looks out the front window? Right. But I was looking out the front window Drink a little bit of coffee, just looking out, and I see the urban dirt truck pull up, and the uh, Jamoke jumps out of it, and he runs over to uh, the curbside water shutoff <laughs> box. You know the little ones at the curb. Yeah. I don't know what you have up there in Seattle if it's the same, but here the the main uh, water supply is controlled by a little buried box where the lid is visible. You pop the lid off, you use your water key, which is like a long metal t-shaped uh device that fits right over the little key and you, it's a just looks like a giant screw and you just turn it right and that turns the water on or off and if it's turned to the off position there are two little holes that line up one with the base and one with the part that moves so you could put a padlock in there if wow. for example the person didn't pay their water they could come and lock it so that you couldn't right. just turn it back on right sure 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 okay so I see him messing around with mine and the neighbors and a couple other uh, ones. And, uh, and, and he's just doing this up and down the street and then he just drives off. <laughs> and so I, I'm like, I think he just turned the water off for no damn reason. Right. And so I walk over to the sink and turn it on. Of course, the water's off. So Whoa. I immediately go out there with my water key because I'm a homeowner for 20, 30, I don't know, forever, for eternity. 
Yeah. And I just turn it back on because he has no yeah, business touching do. my water supply. Come on, Dan. Of course you did. Of course. So I turn it back on and go back in, take a shower, do all my stuff. Now, love it. This is, of course, everybody in Austin completely panicked because we are we are shell shocked from a year ago where we had no water and it just spontaneously turned off, right? Yeah. So I have an appointment to go to. So I'm getting my crap together, go in the truck and drive over to the appointment. And when I go outside, I see there's like a, a large group of my neighbors. And of course, we all work from home now. Everyone works from home because of COVID. Right. And they're all outside. They're like freaked out. And I and I as I'm going to my truck, I'm like, you're talking about the water, aren't you? And they're like, yeah, is your water off too? What's going on? It's only 55 degrees right now. It's not supposed to, this isn't supposed to happen yet. <laughs> like what's happening? And I'm like, oh no, the, the urban dirt guy just turned it off all the water for the whole street for some reason. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, did you get the letter from the homeowners? Like, yes, well, but they weren't supposed to turn off the water. I'm like, no, now by this time I had already called the, cause I'm a nice guy. Well, yeah, not a nice guy. I'm kind, but I'm not nice. I like to say that. So, I had already called the homeowners association and told them what was going on. And they're like, that should not be happening. They should never touch the main water supply. They should absolutely not have, they, they don't know. What are they doing that? We, I'm so sorry. We would never do that. The, that's an emergency only situation. He had, they, they made a mistake. I'm like, it's all right. Like, no, I'm not upset. I turned it back on. And they're like, okay, well we let them know. So the neighbors are like, can you help us do it? And I'm like, yes. So I went up and down the street and turned people's water back on. Oh, you're the hero of the neighborhood. Right. I was a hero for once. So uh, so then like, I go to my appointment. I come back later that afternoon. I see the same Jamoke running up and down the street, checking all the, the waters, turning back on. So apparently he got a little bit chewed out. I bet he did. But I want to ask you, what, like, what, what's the thinking behind this? When the, I, the lady emailed me back and she's like, I think he thought he was turning off the sprinkler systems like but still why is they doing they're not even doing any work why would they come and turn someone's sprinkler system off without any notice and i don't care i don't have anything to water anyway but you know no it's nobody's in charge anymore dan that guy nobody's in charge anymore yeah who knows what he got told by who and who cared enough to you know the person that actually had the the big plan probably sitting and thinking about their their crypto or something who knows who knows anymore you don't yeah. get a feeling that there's like one person that that sees a plan all the way through this guy i don't even know what a jamoke is but i'm sure this guy was one of them and who knows what he was doing jamoke is he, a jamoke is a, a florida term okay and according to merriam webster who by the way is since um 1828 oh yeah um it says uh, slang, an ordinary, unimpressive, or inept person, typically <sighs> used as a term of mild or joking disparagement for a man. Right. And here, here it is being used is in, in, in a sentence, although I've already done that. Yeah, you did. Um, if my brother and I proved one thing, it's that just about any jamoke can host a radio show. <laughs> and this is Not by untrue. this is by the famous uh, Ray uh, Magliozzi, uh, who I'm sure that you've uh, you've heard of from yeah. uh, the NPR's weekly show Car Talk. No, yeah. those guys aren't named Magliozzi. Yeah, that's his name, Mag- 
Isn't that his the, last name? The brothers? What were the brothers? Magliozzi, Ray and um, Tom. Oh, wow. Magliozzi. Yeah. Now, what do you know? I never knew that. Yeah. Well, yeah. So this guy or whatever, there's, you know, I, I, I'm surprised that our show hasn't been interrupted by the fact that the next door neighbors are putting a new roof on today. Oh, and that would be those, loud. It, it was loud this morning. The other night, not, not four nights ago, three o'clock in the morning, I hear a pipe banging. I got up, I looked out the window and there was a guy in a, in a hard hat with a reflective vest and he had, um, he'd opened up not a manhole, but like a, you know, a little metal cover covering a valve of some kind in the road and was banging on it with a metal pipe three in the morning. And I thought, well, he's got a reflective vest, so it's got to be fine. <laughs> and I went, I went back to bed. Right. And I woke up an hour later and there was like a jackhammer going four o'clock in the morning. And so I got up and I looked out. And uh, there were like three or four people in reflective vests, vests, and there was a dump truck, and they were running a jackhammer. Oh, my God. And I said, well, they've got reflective vests. I'm sure it's fine. Yeah. Went back to bed, and they worked on whatever it was. I mean, I didn't... You didn't go I, ask them to pull, see if they pulled a permit or anything like that? Normally, I would, but I've been really trying to... <laughs> Do you just to, walk up? Can I see Can I see y'all's permit for this, please? There's nothing I like better, Dan, than to be in my slippers and a bathrobe out in the middle <laughs> of the street. For a permit. Well, they're just going like, "What's going on? What are you digging for?" Because I would assume that, at, in order to to get permission to start up a jackhammer at four in the morning, you you would need to have a geyser of water or natural gas or or like heating oil streaming out of the street. Like, mm. there, what what could the problem have been that it would have that it would have directed their attention to the middle of the road enough to be tearing it up in the middle of the night. You know, right. like I, I normally I would be out there, but normally at four in the morning, I would be up playing tiddlywinks. You'd still be and, up. You have, would be up in a sense that you would not have yet gone to sleep. Right. So I would be out there. Now, wait, wait, pause for a second. For him, the last time that we talked about this, it, it was two. You had said 2 a.m. Uh, what 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 it was that you were staying up till two a.m. was good in oh, my notes no. here. No, no, no. No, we got to check with the guy who does the Wikipedia. I'm sure that you've to the guy who does the Wikipedia. What's his name? He's just such a cool guy. I can't ever remember. Yokin. 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 Fact check. I think John said two a.m. was how late he was staying up till. Oh dear. Oh dear. No, Dan. I know. You know what? I I'm ready to be wrong. I'm a. I'm not afraid to admit that I'm wrong. I could very well be remembering this wrong, but I thought it was 2 a.m. that you were staying up, and now it's 4. Well, anyway, now it's 4. That's well into the next day. Your ear flaps probably clanged down (laughs) when you heard me go past 2 a.m. You were like, there are no times past 2 a.m. Well, 2 a.m. is definitely a hard stop for me. Like like 1.30, that's nothing. 1.40, 2 a.m., like, yeah, I got to call it quits now. Oh, I've seen enough episodes of Dexter tonight that I have to stop. I will stay up all night and I have, but right, but lately right now I'm really trying not to. And this 3am thing, I was like, I'm in the middle of sleeping. Normally I would be, I would, uh, all my little cat curiosity would be going full on. I'd have, you know, I would have known that guy was out there before he even started banging on a pipe. Cause I would have seen his headlights 
because I'd be sneaking around, you know, and now I'm asleep and I'm going back to sleep. So I have no idea what they were doing. I, the next day I got up and I walked out there and kind of looked around where they'd been working. And I was like, I'll never know. I'll never know until, until one day somebody else in a hard hat comes by here and I ask, maybe they'll have some institutional memory, but no, probably I'm all of a sudden I'm like everybody else. I don't know what's going on. I have zero idea what those people were doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, most of my neighbors didn't register that they were there probably. Yeah. But, but I'm like them in the sense that I don't know what they were doing, but yeah, I've got the neighbors uh, tearing the roof off of their place over here. Yeah. And they've got, I guess, I guess they hired the same uh, jamokes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I can use the term. It feels appropriative. It's, I'm not it's from, definitely appropriate. I'm not from that culture. I don't know what, I, I don't, I don't feel comfortable using the term. You can, but, you got me, you know, I say Colorado now and people look yeah. at me like I'm absolutely crazy. Colorado. 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 Mm-hmm. And it feels wrong when I say it, but I'm running with it and I'm waiting. Colorado. I'm doing it just to see if anyone like comments on it, if anyone says anything about it, because it's almost like our, our friend Wilfred Brimley, diab diabetes. Yeah, diabetes. I never say diabetes anymore. I can only say diabetes. And I'm hoping that that happens with Colorado. <laughs> Colorado. Yeah. I like it, Dan. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. What, what does it say? How do you pronounce Colorado mm -hmm. uh, is, the, is the question on the table here. Colorado. Colorado is how I always said it before I Col met you. Colorado. Colorado. Colorado is better. Yeah, Colorado. Colorado. <laughs> yeah, it's Colorado. It's not Colorado. Yeah. Rat, 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 rat. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just the West, Dan. The West. The American West. I know we have a lot of listeners in other countries. Yes. And I can only imagine how they picture the American West. You see it in the movies, the yeah. American West. Oh, yeah. And it's hard... I think from learning about it in the movies, it's hard to reconcile that California and Seattle and Texas and Colorado and Montana all kind of are in the American West, although that area encompasses a, a landmass as large as all of Europe. And it's all kind of like, ah, well, we're sort of the West. Not really. We, there's a lot of parts of that that don't, share any sympathy with one another, mm -hmm. but we all would band together against Pennsylvania in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, you're down there in Texas. It's not a, it's not a normal place. It doesn't follow the rules. No, it does not. I, I think up here, there's a, there's a general consensus that, that we are very ready to, uh, we, I don't think we would ever leave the United States. As long as there was a United States, I don't think the Northwest would leave it. No. But we will absolutely enact our own contradictory laws and apply tariffs and border controls. Mm. We'll still be in the United States. We'll just be a special exclusionary zone uh, within the United States mm. that it's harder to get into than you might think given that we're all one nation and also that has all its own laws. And as a resident of this breakaway Republic, mm -hmm. I'm a little ambivalent. Oh. 
in particular, and this is sad to say because for most of my life I would have thought I can't wait for the Northwest to form a, you know, a Pax Cascadia. Right. Because I would assume that there would be a role for me in the government. (laughs) Yeah, you'd you'd make sure there was. But now I'm not confident in the quality of the laws we would pass here. I know uh, they would be better than. Well, that would be your of, job. You would you would be the guy that makes the the jobs. Ugh. Yeah, the whole thing work. Oh boy. Yeah, it's it's in moments like that when I hear my father's voice from 1990 mm. saying, "Go to law school." <laughs> if I'd gone to law school, Dan, yeah. I might have. I'm there might be a, a backdoor way for me into the. Into the government, but as it is now, I don't think so. I don't think I'm. I'm not going to get invited to the constitutional convention. No, and I'm not sure I want to live under the laws that they would come up with. Uh, knowing what I know now, knowing mm. what I know about them, the yeah. people from here, whom I trust more than the people in, for instance, the American Congress or the Supreme Court or really any of the institutions that I've spent my life defending. Um, and yet I still don't want them. I, you know, I feel like, I feel like I'm going to have my own breakaway Republic within the Northwest <laughs> that makes its own laws that contradict the contradictory laws of the Northwest. And that's just not the way that is not the, as, as Mando would say, that is not the way. No. So boy, these are these are tricky times, and I and I think about our listeners in in other places who have their own problems, you know, people down in Australia that are like, yeah, I know, but the camel races are coming, and what are, what am I gonna, you know, what am I gonna bet on the on the big camel race this season? And we're up here talking about whatever wooden water pipes, right? And as your as your friends on Car Talk have said, Dan, mm. any any Jamoke can have a can have a radio show. No, I mean, it's it's true. It's true. You know, speaking what? of uh, Australia, New Zealand. Yeah, I had a buddy in New Zealand who's like, I, oh, you know, I went to America. I didn't like it much. I'm yeah. Like, no. What, what? 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 In July? Where'd you go? It's, oh, I went to Miami. Huh? Like the, where else? He's like, well, no, just just, America. just Miami. Uh-huh. I'm like, just well, there. I don't. I mean, Miami's a thing, but it's not like representative. I don't think of m- most of America. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like that can't be your how you evaluate America. No, uh, I mean Miami is a singular place in the world. Yeah. It has it belongs to itself. Yes. Where John for our our overseas listeners, if they could only go, you traveled more probably than anyone else that I know. Yeah, and and you've and when you travel. And the reason I say that, I'm, I'm sure I know people who have done more traveling than you and have been more places than you, but yes. the way that you travel is very different, I think, than or have traveled, is very different from the way that many other people travel. For most people, when they're traveling, typically, it's either for a vacation, which doesn't count, mm. because in a vacation, you're like, we're going on the tour. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not... or. They're doing it for business, in which case they're between their hotel room and the conference room, and maybe like they ate at a restaurant and saw a show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The way you travel, you're going, you're gonna, you're you're gonna try and find an area to stay in that is where the people stay, 
and live. Mm, the people, yes. And I'm you're going to try, people. you're going to find a hotel that's for the people, not for the tourists. The people. And when you when you go to eat somewhere, you're not just going to be like, Yelp said that this place had the best burger. And, you know, no. you're, you're going to walk the streets. Mm-hmm, you're going to find someone who very clearly lives there and is well, is kind of a, an experiencer of the place. Well, the people, yeah, he's going to. That person will be a people, and you're going to connect with that person. And and out of this twenty thirty minute conversation you'll have on the street with this person, they're going to make a recommendation for the right place to get the burger. Yeah, absolutely. and that's where you're going to go, and that's every part of your experience is going to be that way. So that what you're experiencing when you visit a place is more. I feel like a window into what the person who might live there is going to experience than the person who visits and stays in the the Marriott, you know, and gets an Uber to the restaurant that they're meeting their friends at and then to the airport. That's a right. very different experience. Very different. So if I'm going to put this, pose this question for you as a listener question, yeah, that is me. Yes. You, the listener. Um, if you had to, if you, if, if a person was coming to visit the States and they could go to one city or town and and spend their time there and leave having said i feel like i do know what america is like where is that and what is that and where do they go well it has to be new york yeah even though new york is not representative of america exactly i mean new york is completely its own also it's a singular place on the planet yeah but there are a lot of american places that are too confusing to make sense of in a week's vacation. Right. Like Boston, if you if you live in Boston for a decade, I don't know how much you understand it. You know, Boston, there's like 40 Bostons uh-huh. <laughs> and they don't, you know, the 40 Bostons don't like each other. And there's no, you know, geographically, Boston, you're like, well, over here, you see over there is this. But then if you look over here and this sort of, let's just pretend this isn't here right now. And, you know, it's just Boston doesn't, there's no, it's not, it's not comprehensible. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia, how are you going to make sense of Philadelphia? You couldn't make sense of Philadelphia in a year. No way. Right? No you, way. It's just like, what is this? Yeah. How, what, what happened here? There was a, <laughs> there was a village and then they put a town on top of it <laughs> and then they, they tried to build a city on top of the town, yeah. but they failed utterly. And then they tried again to do it and they failed a second time. And so, so here it is. It's like a, it's like a giant wedding cake that someone set on fire and then threw, and then David Letterman threw like shot it out of a cannon. It's Philadelphia, America, you know, the capital of America. Right. You go, I don't get this, right? Baltimore? I was trying to explain Baltimore to somebody the other day and I and words failed me. Mm. Words failed me. I was like, I you know, I I bet I'd already been talking for 20 minutes and word, words failed me because yeah. I was like, I just can't how, what am I going to say about Baltimore? And the thing is it's true of Los Angeles too. You cannot, and this is, I think, a problem a lot of people have. They try and visit Los Angeles. Well, what does that even mean? What is visiting Los Angeles? Like, Los Los Angeles isn't even a place. What is Los Angeles, if it's not a place? Los Angeles is a, what is Los Angeles? I don't think anybody that lives in Los Angeles even feels like they live in Los Angeles. (laughs) Los Angeles is a... I don't know. Like Los Angeles is a voice on the wind or I, 
Los Angeles is a region between like three other regions. There's no defined center to any one of those regions. And Los Angeles is a region, you know, surrounded by those regions. Like I challenge anyone to tell me where Los Angeles is. Is it downtown Los Angeles? No. Oh, no so you're, one... you're saying you're saying that it 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 mean maybe even it means different things to different people. Oh well, it means different things to every single person. But but there's almost no town in America that you can say that the downtown of the town is not nowhere this, near the town, not, and yeah. no one considers it the town. <laughs> sure. And find a city like that anywhere in the world, but the, yeah. but downtown Los Angeles is like oh, and also. In addition to the 17 other things that might be Los Angeles before we get here, in 17th place is downtown Los Angeles. Right. San Francisco used to be a great place for people to visit from around the world because San Francisco is uniquely itself. And and weirdly, even though there's a dozen San Francisco's, San Francisco is comprehensible. You know, it's like almost, it's almost the classic version of like, here's the Chinatown, here's the Italian town, here's the like skid rowy place. Yeah. Here are the fun little trolleys and here's the gay neighborhood and, you know, this is the artist's place. You know, it was, there were vistas everywhere where you could, you could stand somewhere and, and say like, I've seen this in a movie. Or I could picture, you know, I could picture living here. This is the rice-a-roni box. <laughs> but San Francisco now is impossible to be in because it's become a, it's become a Blade Runner universe. Yeah, you know, there's nobody running the show there and hasn't been for thirty years. So, so you can't. It's just like you can't be there, which is really a drag, because it has. Uh, because it's one of the great places, one of the great places in the world, but they've just fucked it up, and it's they fucked it up because they're the because they're liberals and capitalists, and those two things should never be allowed to run a thing together. You know, like if you're going to have capitalists run a thing, have them be the have them be Republicans, and if they're going to if you're going to have liberals run a thing, have them be socialists. But you don't have you don't want liberal capitalists running anything. Yeah, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe only liberal capitalists should run things. And in San Francisco, you don't have enough of the two together. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I'm still working on that theory. Seattle, I, I've always recommended people come to because it is you can see it all in one panorama. You've got the water, the mountains, the forests, the city, the you know the culture. But we've fucked it up beyond belief up here too, and I don't recommend you come because it's a because it'll make you sad. It makes me sad. Yeah. For somebody to say like, I'm visiting Seattle for the first time. I used to love getting those emails. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. You know, let me tell you the five things. And now I would just be like, oh, no, don't come here now. No, this, you're going to hate it. Or if you don't hate it, you're going to feel, you're going to feel awful. Like you're going to, you're going to leave here and go, oh, that's so, it's so bad there. <laughs> it's so terrible. So it boils down to New York because even during the 70s even during the even when the power was off even when times square was 
a war zone. Like it was always New York. It always endured and it had every little bit of America is in it somewhere. And if you just, you know, if you just, even if you stand in one place long enough, like all of America will go by you. Mm. And it's very easy to understand because they thoughtfully <laughs> built it on a grid, completely ignoring the geography <laughs> and completely ignoring how people really are and think. They, they just built a, they built a grid in the style of, of uh, <laughs> whatever, Napoleon Third, Napoleon Three. And there it is, and it you so you just go up to the corner of this, and you turn left there, and you go down to the corner of that. I mean, don't you think though that there are a lot of people um, in America who would say New York is the antithesis of uh, of where I live? Yeah, and uh, wherever it is that they're saying that from that that in fact New York is a hellhole. New York is. I'm not saying I feel this way. I'm saying there's. I've heard this sentiment a lot. New York is a hellhole and saying that this is not only where someone should visit if they're visiting America, but that this is representative of my America. How dare you, sir? <laughs> and I can imagine the person saying this is standing atop a tall, you know, peak in Montana mm. that they, you know, as they've emerged from two weeks in the wilderness uh, to find that their truck is precisely where they left it untouched and unlocked uh. and they're saying <laughs> that you know you're you're t you know and their their dog then and the raccoon that they adopted on their shoulder you know like they're walking out of the woods saying you know let me get the falcon in its you know in its carrier as as i laugh at the folks in new york struggling to you know buy a loaf of bread i think there's enough people out there who would say new york is not america it's the mm. worst of america it's mm. a it's a collection of all that's wrong with america and modern day society as well i i for the record i mean i enjoy visiting new york i like it i like the the you know and and i actually think that there's it's not what people think it is if you haven't been or if you haven't been in a while it's very it's a very a welcoming place in a lot of ways even oh, yes you know it's it's people imagine it as this cold rough place that you don't want to go and where people are mean and you're actually thinking of philadelphia when you're thinking about <laughs> that. new york is a very friendly place for the most part but i think i mean i think the there's a lot of people who would say no don't john don't send people to new york there's enough people in new york already if you want to go to a midwestern city that that exemplifies the United States as a Western place. Mm -hmm. The answer is Calgary, which is the most American of Canadian cow towns. So Calgary you're, you're sending, like, you're sending people who want to understand America to Alberta, Canada. Calgary is like Denver. <laughs> if Denver, <laughs> that doesn't make any if sense. Denver wasn't so fucked up, you uh -huh. know, um, it's 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 all Yeehaw. you hate Denver. You hate it. Does this? No, you hate, hate it. You Denver. talk about the brown cloud and all the brown other cloud. stuff about it. You hate you hate Denver. 
I don't hate Denver. I, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a kind of brotherly love I feel for Denver and how badly they have fucked up over the course of decades of fucking up. It's uh-huh. been, it's, it's been, it's part of the Denver character all the way back to the 1860s. Yeah. It's just Denver can't help itself, you know, and, and Denver's, and Denver's, I mean, it's so wonderful there uh, on the front range, you know, there's, there's a lot going on, but, but, uh, but boy, whoo, it's also, you know, you know, that, that thing on the beach where sometimes there's like that, that sort of brown foam, that kind of rotting foam <laughs> sure, that yeah. washes up to the top of the beach. And then it just sits there as this kind of decaying pile of brown foam. You know, that's kind of Denver as it washes up against the Rocky Mountains. Every Everything that gets there and then the tide pulls back and it's just like, ooh. Ugh. But I say that loving it a lot. You know, it's a mile-high city. <laughs> I think yeah. most... Well, you, just, you just say, well, it's a mile-high, so, you know, can't be bad. Can't be all bad. It's got a name. Most of the people in the United States who... Philly's who, the city of brotherly love, so... Oh, I know. It I sure mean, is. whatever. You really feel that. You feel it. No, dude, you feel it. I remember the first time my dad got mugged uh, (laughs) at Knife Point. He's like, so I was robbed at Knife Point last night. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, it really sucked. I was like, really? He's like, yeah. I'm like, you're all right? He's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm like, what'd they take? Oh, they took everything. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, oh, they took my rings, wallet, my glasses. I'm like, your glasses? He's like, yeah, they took everything. I'm like, what'd they take your glasses for? He's like, why not? They're mugging me. Take everything. Sure. And he didn't, he was like unfazed by it. I'm like, are you okay? He's like, yeah. This is just, I was just walking home. Like, that's normal. (laughs) I mean, this was the 70s, but whatever. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Well, I think a lot of people got mugged in Philadelphia until very recently. Yeah, until last night. Maybe even very recently. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I think so too. I think most Americans who hate New York, if you really went with them to their place, they would not be taking you falconing in Montana. They would take you to their town and they would, first of all, they would have to drive you around the town. That would be the first thing they had to do. They would say, well, you know, it's easier if we drive around because, you know, if you want to see the town, let's drive around. So you'd get in their car with them. And you would drive with them and look, and it would be kind of, you'd have a hard time knowing where you were because mm-hmm. it all kind of looked the same. And they'd, you know, and they'd be pointing to businesses. You know, they'd say like, there's the bowling alley. And up here on the right is, there's the Piggly Wiggly. And as a visitor, you'd be like, right, okay, I see. So you've just got a bunch of like one story tall stores and stuff that are all separated from one another. You know, this isn't a town. This is like a, it's just strip malls. And they'd say, Oh, there's a Chick-fil-A. And then they, they turn left and you'd be in the middle of a town that once was cute and you'd, you'd perk up and you'd be like, Oh, we're in the town, but you'd look around and there's nothing, none of the stores appeal to you. And the person that was giving you the tour would be kind of embarrassed a little bit about the town. Like, no, 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 this isn't, yeah, this is the old town, but it's kind of, you know, it, uh, we're, we're, it's, it's coming back, you know, we're, we're, we're working on it or something, mm. but, but, but looking around, there would be no evidence of that. There'd be some banks, there'd be some 
you know, the legacy stores are all gone. And then you'd be out driving around the roads again and they'd be like, yeah, over here, this is, you know, there's where I went to high school. And, and your, your overall impression would be that the United States just sort of, uh, there was no there there. And those are the people that are convinced that they're from the, the, the best place in the world and that they, you know, that they don't need Chicago or New York or all those Hollywood movies, um, that they're from God's country, but they have to confess that whatever it is that's great about it there is something that's a lot more to do with like how they feel when they go into the grocery store, or how they, how welcome they feel at the, at the Chick-fil-A and not, and, and maybe what their church is like, but it's not because there's a real sense of place beyond the sense of place that's communicated in the relationships they have with people. And, you know, if you go to Columbus, Ohio, there is a, a kind of newly revitalized downtown area. There's a, there's the college of course doing its college thing, but, but really outside of the outside of 10 blocks, you got to hop in a car and you got to drive around Columbus yeah. and you've got to, and it's like, Oh, actually that's like a, two miles over here. And then over here is this. And, and, the, and every, all the architecture is kind of the same. And a lot of things are hidden behind trees and outside of the, the very heart of it. There is no, there's nothing that distinguishes Columbus, the, the, the one mile outside of the center of Columbus, nothing that distinguishes it from one mile outside of the center of Indianapolis. And that's not true of New York, San Francisco, Philadelphia, you know, those Miami, those places are there are themselves and, uh, and yeah, unique, but, but, um, but not duplicable. So at the end of the day, do you still stand with New York? Yeah. 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 I mean, if you go to France and somebody's like, Oh, don't go to Paris. It's just, it's not representative of France. It's like, Oh, okay. Okay. Well, what's representative of France? Oh no, you got to go to, you have to go to Provence. Mm hmm. And you get to Provence and you're like, well, okay, here we are. Like, where, where's the center? Oh, well, you know, over here is a place and then over here is another place. It's like, oh, wait a minute. There's no, there's no there, there. There's no Provence. It's just a collection of, of buildings. You know, it's a collection of places to go. But Paris, you walk out the door of your hotel and you're in Paris immediately you're in Paris all day. Everything is Paris. Every little thing is. Every piece of dog poop on the sidewalk is Paris. I really hope, <laughs> I really hope that we will make Seattle a place to visit again one day. I mean, you know how it is with Austin. There's, there's 6th Street and then there's the business downtown, which again is sort of like, it kind of has to be there, but nobody cares. 
And then there's Lady Bird Lake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then everything else you would want to see in Austin is, is either north, south, east, or west. You get in your car and you go. Yeah, I mean, it's a driving, it's a, for sure a driving town. Yeah, you go over there, you go, go down here. The neighborhoods have distinct characters, but would that be obvious to someone from New Zealand? Oh, no, that's southeast Austin. No, 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 that's a whole different. The Mexican restaurants in southeast Austin are so different than the Mexican restaurants in northwest that's, Austin. I mean, it's very true. It's 100% true, true yeah. but is that going to be like something that someone from New Zealand who's like, what is a chili bear day? <laughs> right. Like, they're not going to... They're not going to know. That's not going to impact them marvelously. Houston is a weird place. Oh, very weird. That I recommend visiting. Yes, worth it. Worth it, right? Houston. Never would have guessed that I that, that would be on the list of like, you should go. New Orleans, of course. In a, but in a weird way, New Orleans is just a Disney uh, version of itself now. Mobile. There's where you go. I've been Mobile. to Mobile. I've been to yeah. Mobile. It's a cute little, cute little town. Atlanta is very itself. Way more than like, I think Atlanta is way more itself than a lot of cities that are even kind of smaller and cuter. There's way more to see in Atlanta than there would ever be in Nashville. Nashville, don't even, don't hurt yourself to get to Nashville. And I say that with a lot of love for Nashvillians. But anyone listening to this program in Nashville right now knows what I'm talking about. You mm -hmm. know what you've done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's people who, if if you live in downtown Austin or around downtown Austin, there is a very, it's not snobbery. They don't think that they're better they just disassociate themselves from the fact that other parts of Austin exist and are considered to be Austin. Oh, well, like I don't, I don't go way up North. Actually, it's not way up North. It's just like barely North of central. Oh, that's, that's way North. I don't go up. I don't go up there. How high is up North? Like 10 minutes North of downtown. But like, which, <laughs> what, like I know North Austin, like what, what's the dividing line? Do you think where people are like, Oh, that's just way up there. Um, you know, I, that's a good question. Um, other side of the college. I, yeah, I have seen different people come out with different maps of Austin and what they consider to be like a neighborhood, you know, basically it's like, if you, if you look at the map of Austin neighborhoods, which there are many different versions of that, there's downtown, there's a Tarrytown and. Hyde Park, North Campus, Mueller, East Austin, North Central Austin mm. is where I am. I am mm -hmm. in Central, North Central Austin. Central, North Central. Because North Central Austin is a huge area. It's huge. Um, and I'm, I'm like, well, I guess I would be North of Central, North Central, uh, North of in the northern part of North Central Austin, but not all the way. In the northern part of North <laughs> Central Austin. And this makes as much sense to Austinites as it does to anyone listening right now, which is to say not not very much. But, you know, then there's like Westlake, 
And but, but so you're north of the university. Yes. But are you all the way up to Austin Community College? No, I mean if you if you want to get like really technical about it, you know, the one of my favorite areas is um is what they would call like I'm sure you've heard of it, Clarksville. It's a very cool area. Mm-hmm. Um the east side is where all the like cool people want to go now. Uh, and it's it doesn't coincide. I'm I'm the area that I'm in is technically right on the border where Crestview and Brentwood kind of interconnect. Uh, the old Crestview Brentwood interconnection, right? Which is just just north of Violet Crown, and um, and if you were to just so if you were to kind of make your way from where I am down into you know like what they would call really like downtown there's all these little neighborhoods that like only people who live in them even know what they're called like there's a place called avalon giles place uh you know and then you're kind of heading down like everybody's gonna know the drag because that's where the university is um but then there's they've now subdivided the university up but people be like well i'm not in west university i'm north university like who cares? You know, why do we even have these neighborhoods? Nobody even knows where the neighborhoods begin and end. And you can't tell the difference by looking at them for the most part. Like you can tell North Austin from downtown for sure. It looks completely different. But then you get into like what's called South Austin. And then everything just doesn't even look like Austin anymore. You know, It just looks like any area that was built in the last 15 years anywhere in the country. There's nothing yeah. characteristic about it. It doesn't. You know, like what's Davenport Ranch? What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's it's just north of Westlake Hills, and it's you know west of Tarrytown. Why do I know that? Because I have a friend who lives in Davenport Ranch. Yeah, it's a no place. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this in as our show notes uh, artwork. I think this week. For some for some reason, we really <clears throat> we really decided to like double down on making every place look like no place. Yeah. And I guess it's just economies of scale. It's a lot easier for people to just get the same stuff at the old box store and slap it together. Yeah. But, but it's really a drag. I, I, and I feel that way. I, my daughter's mother is in Tucson right now. Yeah. And Tucson is an example of a place with a real vibe. Yeah. And, you know, old Tucson and the the neighborhoods there that are made out of, you know, the kind of adobe houses of, of old Tucson and the downtown that, you know, built around the Congress Hotel and mm. the, like there's, and the university there, like Tucson's a real place as opposed to Phoenix which is the ultimate hole in the ground mm-hmm. in, in terms of the fact that they've got a city of, of, of several million people there where nothing should be. They put a city where there should be nothing. It should just be mm-hmm. tumbleweeds, you know. Mm-hmm. Scottsdale has a reason to be there. But Tucson's a real place. And... And yet, sometimes I'll be driving around in Seattle, and I'll see a house, and I'll and I'll go, 
Wait, that house belongs in Tucson. Who would have built that here? Somebody had a, a crazy idea. And one house that looks like it belongs in Tucson in Seattle is fun. It's cool. It's like, oh, there's a Tucson house. There's the Tucson house. Go up to the Tucson house and turn left. But in Tucson now, the new houses don't look like Tucson houses. They look like the exact same houses that they're building out in the suburbs here. And those, like a house that works in Seattle and a house that works in Tucson, they share nothing mm. if they work, you know? Like to build a house like that in Tucson is to crank up the AC from the moment you turn on the power <laughs> and never turn the AC off again. Right. And to build that house in Seattle is to gradually watch the water stains take over the drywall until the drywall starts falling off in patches. Ugh. Like there's no way you could build one house for both places. Uh, and yet that's what that's the world we're living in. And there's an architecture in Tucson that belongs to there and that it, it belongs to there for a reason. It was built, they, they came up with it to, to handle the harsh climbs. And the same is true here. There's a way to build a house in Seattle that works. The idea that you could build and that you should that you could drive around America and see the same house over and over, the same mall, the same buildings over and over, right? In a place that is as so, so wide ranging, so crazy as it is here, there's there's nothing at all that that Los Angeles has in common with Virginia Beach. They're both on the beach, I guess. <laughs> But beyond beyond that, <laughs> they 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 should they should have nothing. Yeah, they should share nothing. And yet, and yet we, and that's the weird thing. Like I think to other people, especially people who have lived in places that are established and old, and like have been around for hundreds or maybe maybe many hundreds of years. You know, where like they're they're in, like from a village or something like that or even just a city in Europe where buildings have been around for hundreds of years you go to a place that's newer and i was thinking about this recently relating to florida of course where there's nothing old in florida i mean there's like you know like the the, the the ancient stuff in florida isn't very old at all and everything looks new there especially in the areas that have been kept up and are really nice. Like there's no, there isn't any history. There isn't any long history in most of the places. And there's a lot of America that's like that. And when you think about like the housing developments that get built, you know, there's the same house is just with slightly different roof, different window configuration, garage on the opposite side. And that's the an entire neighborhood of a thousand homes. Like that's weird. Yeah. When you think about that, that's weird. It's not how people want to, it's not how people want to live. It's not how people want to drive around and be inspired. Right. And, and ultimately that's my, um, that's the thing that confuses me the most. Like this neighborhood that I live in was built at a time when the presumption was that the car was the way we we're going to move around. You know, my house was built in 1955. And as they were laying out the neighborhood, you could tell that they were expressing all these new ideas about privacy mm -hmm. 
about how the house and the land it was on were going to kind of interact with each other. So it was the era where there are a lot of cul-de-sacs. There are a lot of situations where there are five houses built on a long dead-end driveway. Mm. And houses where, you know, mid-century architecture often kind of turns its back to the street in favor of having the you know, the house open up to its own backyard and all the windows are facing the back and all of the, you know, in the front is just kind of looks like a bunker. But one of the things that they, well, there are a lot of things that result from that. The, the idea of the philosophy of that architecture was a philosophy about what it was to live in your home and those houses are always a, a huge surprise when you walk inside, a, a good one, because there's nothing on the outside to signal what you're about to experience. You walk in and you're like, wow, it's so much, you know, from the outside, it just looked like a bunker. And now I'm inside and it's like airy and light and and um, really integrated into the space. But the problem is that the neighborhoods themselves turn their back on themselves. You know, there's no, you go out for a walk in these neighborhoods. There's nothing to see. There's nothing, no, there's no Just interaction. house after house after house. Everyone's yeah. inside with the door shut. Bunker, 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 bunker. Yeah. And if you're interested in the, if you're interested in architecture, a lot of the best houses are up these dead end uh, driveways with five houses on them. Well, you don't feel comfortable walking up there and kind of peering over the, the front of the garage to see if you can check out this. And, and so realizing that architecture is in the, in the fifties, the idea was that architecture was like this private pleasure for the owner of the house and their guests. But architecture serves a social function as a, as a way to communicate with passersby. And walking through a neighborhood where I know every one of these houses is incredible, but none of it is visible, is a drag. Mm -hmm. Because it was a, and I get that the privacy is is great. The experience of being in the house is great, but there's no there. The but the language isn't a shared language. And one of the things that the privacy and car-driven nature of of the, the the concept behind this neighborhood is that if you're in point A and you want to walk to point B, there's no shortcuts. You go to the end of one of these cul-de-sacs and where all it would take is 100 feet of connective trail to get from the end of this cul-de-sac to the end of the next, there's none. You know, very definitely the house was, there's a house built right where the shortcut should be and there's a fence very specifically to keep you from doing that. And it is, um, the effect of it over time is, it's crushing, you know, because the soul knows when you're at point A the soul knows which way to go to get to point B. It's that a way, you know, you want to wend your way through the forest. It's a, it's a natural 
And on your way, you want to see your neighbors. Yeah. You want to see interesting things. You no, wanna... people don't. They don't want to interact. They don't interact. But it's awful. And and it's... No, it's the worst. It's terrible. And I it's Like, funny. I had this interaction with my neighbors. I, I haven't met some of them before. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you've lived somewhere... I'm going to say, if you've lived somewhere for a year or more, you should know all your neighbors. Yeah. But they don't, they don't come out. And you walk by like, mm-hmm, hi. And there's like this weird, it's like, and I feel like this could be a whole episode really, but I feel like yeah. people are conditioned now for whatever reason. And I think COVID just made it worse is that yeah. it, people are now like, if they weren't already a little leery about meeting people, just meeting people. Now they're very leery about it. Like everybody is like, it used to be that you knew your neighbors and you knew them because you wanted to know them and they wanted to know you because we have to know each other because we're cohabitating. We're sharing a very closely touching space with one another. And you don't want the first time that you meet your neighbor to be when you're apologizing for the construction that's about to happen or when they're making noise and you want them to be quiet. Like that's not the time to be a bud with your neighbor. Hey, by the way, man, I know we haven't met and I've been here for three years, but like, could you turn that music down? Like that's not the time to introduce yourself to the neighbor. You want to already know, you know, like I had an, I had a neighbor in a, a prior house. I had a neighbor who they had uh, sold their house and the new owners moved in and they left, they had, for whatever reason, they always left this side light on and it was shining all the time, 24 seven. And it was very bright. It was a floodlight and it was shining into like one of my kids' windows. And like, that's, you know, like I like, okay, well, like they just moved in. Let's give them a few days. They'll realize it's turned on, you know, and they'll turn it off. And they didn't. And like a week or so went by and they just left it on. It was always on. During the day it was on. It was always on. And like, I didn't care personally because it wasn't bothering me, but like it was bothering my kids. So of course I care. Like you want your kid to not have a floodlight shining into their room at night. So we had put up like a blackout curtain thing, but that's not like the solution. So how do you, how do you like, have that conversation where, hey, I'm Dan. I live next door. What's your name? By the way, you've got this floodlight that, like, that's not cool. You want to have had the first conversation already. So then the, it's now the third or fourth conversation where you're now asking them to modify their behavior. You can't do it in the first time, but I had to. I had to do it in the first time. So I'm talking to this woman, you know, we're just chatting around. And, and at the end of the thing, I'm on my way out. I'm like, you know, Columbo it. I'm like, one more thing. Do you think you could like turn that light off maybe at night and it's kind of shines into my kid's room and they're like, oh, that's why you stopped by. And I was like, oh, God damn it. Like she saw right through the whole thing. We'd been yeah. hanging out for half an hour. We're best friends at this point. She still called me out and I kind of smiled. I'm like, that's a reason. And she laughed. She's like, it's no problem. We'll turn it off. But Oh, that's good. You know, but like she saw through it. She knew by that point that there was a, a I had an agenda. Yeah, right. 
why would this guy be over here otherwise? Right. Just came over to say hi. They saw me outside getting the mail, you know, but like it's, you know, like that's the way that we are now. We don't just know people because it's interesting to know people that we live around. You're like, oh, I don't, I don't know those neighbors. I want to talk to them. Like, like, why not? They might be great people. Well, I mean, then, then if they, if, if like they like me, they'll be over all the time. Well, maybe they have their own life too. You know, maybe they. What's so bad if you talk to your neighbors sometimes? Well, it's they're not in the Zoom invitation list. So <laughs> insular. We're going to foster community, Dan. We're going to bring people back together. Yeah. It's all going to happen as a result of podcasts. <laughs> That's right. Mm -hmm. That's what's going to rebuild community. That's I'm it. convinced. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.